In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Orange is lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Then Mars face evil's Hey everybody, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is The Lantern Cast. Episode 467. And guess what? It's actually not the episode. If anybody if anybody listened to the mini episode on Scream, you will know what I said this episode was probably going to be, which I knew was a mistake because I I, I went against my own uh, pattern, my, my own internal thinking and thought process, which is never tell us. Never say or tell what the next episode is going to be unless it's already recorded, because inevitably something seems to always come up. So listen, yes. listen, I I came on here like two episodes in a row and promised like four specific videos that I'm still kind of sort of making. That, so I, I it's always a mistake. That, Never yeah, tell yeah. Me. So uh, Chad Chad hasn't been feeling well. So the while the original plan was to do the the DC versus vampires thing, even though to be fair, it really was being done as a filler. (laughs) It wasn't because, Oh, we were done. We were, we were gung ho to do it. It's like, well, we really didn't have anything ready to go. That was, that wouldn't have taken even, even more time to go, go through or prep for them than reading those two issues. But that's, that's what I said. This was going to be and it maybe, and it probably would have been if Chad was feeling okay, but instead clearly this, it's not that, uh, Dan and I, we kind of paved the way for this when we talked about Boba Fett in our last Green Lantern review. And we also had a pretty lengthy uh, pregame conversation about Boba Fett in the future Lanterns episode that never made it onto the air. So appropriately, we're going to be giving our thoughts on the now completed full season, if you can call seven episodes a full season of anything, of the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention a... Uh... Uh, deviating from a planned series of episodes to just sort of go off in a weird direction all of a sudden. <laughs> I feel like we should, like, you. part of me thinks we should just post this episode with that other episode's title and description, but then people turn it on, like, start listening to it and like, Hey, wait a second. This isn't DC versus vampires. This is, <laughs> this is, this is an episode of the, the Mark DeLorean where Mark talks about the Mandalorian. Actually that, 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 that would be, that would be pretty clever actually. It's like, and, and it would be appropriate. I was thinking about, I was thinking about this today as we kind of, as we roll into this conversation that the last, the last episode <laughs> of the book of Boba Fett, I figured this is what I originally, this is what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was, I really, I honestly didn't think it was going to be as good as episodes five or six because, okay, we were back to dealing with Boba Fett, but I thought it was going to be a good episode. I thought we'd have a lot of big cameos, a lot of super cool stuff. And it was going to end on a high note where the last three episodes were really good to make people kind of forget that the first three to four episodes were if they weren't all bad, they were like so 
They mostly were a mixed bag. So it reminded me of actually how the final season of the Clone Wars went, where if you actually look at that whole season as a whole, the majority of that was nothing special. But then you get to the final arc dealing with Ahsoka coming back and, and dealing with Obi-Wan and Anakin again and, and her, her adventures going after Darth Maul at the same time all the, the story of Revenge of the Sith is taking place in real time. That was amazing. That final arc was amazing and it makes people forget completely about all the eh stuff that happened like for the majority of the season. And that's what I thought was going to happen here. But we didn't quite get that because episode seven, I thought, was kind of it. They had some cool moments in it, but it it kind of dragged and we didn't get any big cameos at all, even though they the rumor that the Han Solo stuff was still filmed and cut, which would make which would be a, a bigger aber. It would be maybe an aberration isn't the right word, but it'd be a bigger travesty if they actually did film that scene. They have a Han and Chewie scene. They decided to cut out at the last minute. That's worse than not even doing it. <laughs> Well, you mentioned the final season of the Clone Wars, and I think that's a good comparison because I feel like that is a better version of what this show tried to be. Because it was it it tells basically three discrete stories that are each very different from each other, and depending on what you come look come to the show looking for, you might like I I came away from it thinking like okay that first. Uh, that first chunk about the Bad Batch, that's fine, I guess. But like, I'm, I don't really care. That's not what I'm, I came to this for. The second one, the second story arc was like, hey, I've, I've always been curious about how regular people live in the Star Wars universe. And we got to see some of that. So cool. Third one was the thing that I assumed the entire season was going to be. Like, they should have, part of me thinks they should have just made the whole season this three episode arc or whatever but now that there's some distance there i can at least look at that look back on it and appreciate all three pieces as these individual stories that kind of sort of come together to make an overall story but not really and it even it even does the thing that they love to do which is let's shoehorn in a new thing to spin it off into a into the bad batch later on which is a very good show by the way you watch the bad batch but then you get over to book of boba fett and all you know going into it is hey here's a tv show about boba fett and it gives us like such like a if it give it feels like this haphazardly thrown together thing that does not even deliver on the basic premise of being a tv show about boba fett there's no doubt about that and the funny and the funny thing was and i think you and i have talked about it a little in that it might have been in that future lantern pregame show that you had the fact that you had so many people that once you got to episode five which was clearly i think the best five and six were both good but five was probably what most people would agree was the best episode of the season with the return of the Mandalorian when it really was Mandalorian season 2.5 episode one that so many people wanted to apologize and say well you know there's plenty of shows that you know not every single episode is about the main character or you know sometimes there's plenty of shows in which some you know the main character is not even in every episode and it's like well yeah except number one it's not those are established shows you don't do it in the first season you don't do it in a show that only has seven episodes total. <laughs> and a lot of the times you're talking about that, that kind of thing happens on shows that have large episode runs, you know, like, like, a, like a prime time. It's not, it's pretty, it's, 
it's almost like standard fare when a show runs for a long period of time that you might have one or two episodes in a 20 plus uh, episode run for a season in which the main character is really not in he, he he or she may be in the episode, but, you know, they pretty much just film those scenes and they just cut them in because it's part of the contract. They do that or something like Game of Thrones, where they have so many storylines going or they did have so many storylines going that you wouldn't expect to see. Daenerys and Jon Snow and Tyrion and Jaime and all these characters in every episode just because you have to cover all the stories. Also, it matters who the character is. Like, like if this was a thing, like something I think the show actually would have benefited from is if, you know, a few episodes after we introduced these mod kids, if there was just an episode where we follow a couple of them on a side adventure so that they can get fleshed out or something. And maybe like maybe Boba Fett and Fennec Shan are in the beginning and the end of it, but it's mostly like a mod kid adventure. So like, that's the kind of thing that would benefit the whole of the season because these are supporting characters who are entirely new to star Wars that nobody knows anything about. We need a reason to care about them. Instead, what they did was they just they they essentially made an episode of a completely different TV show and just made it about the cast of that other TV show. And like I'm part of me feels like weird complaining about it because not only was episode five the best episode of the entire season, it was also a really good episode of The Mandalorian but it's ultimately a detriment to the season overall because it's not even remotely the thing that the show is supposed to be. And by, and again, by comparison, as, as other people, as many people did point this out. And then by comparison, when you stop and you think about it, even if you were just caught up in the moment and realize how good this episode was, or, you know, it is, and then was, when you look back at it, it's like, well, it also shows, it magnifies the weaknesses of the actual Boba Fett show to begin with. Sure, it also, on a positive note, it reinforces that Filoni and Favreau haven't exactly lost their touch because, here, because hey, they can still do The Mandalorian really well. It just seems like they're whatever the game plan was for Boba Fett or how it came to be, that it wasn't at, you know, there's lots of rumors about why this ended up the way it did, whether there was, you know, some Kathleen Kennedy influence or whether there was a power struggle or whether it was just jammed together without really having a whole lot of thought because they were having issues with Pascal and Man- and they didn't know when season three of the Mandalorian was going to start filming. But wherever the truth is, none of it part of it. The reality is that it just, it just seems like the game plan that they came up with for this show. I mean, even from the very beginning with probably about 75% of the first four episodes were all flashback and then you finally get to the point at the end of episode four where the little Bacta tank as the as the framing device for why why and how we're getting all these flashbacks. They make it clear that, hey, he's fully healed now from everything that happened with the Sarlacc pit. So they make it clear that, hey, from going forward, the implication clearly is that going forward, we're not going to be getting all these flashbacks. And then what happens? And Boba Fett completely disappears pretty much for two straight episodes. Got the flashback. You know. I, f- I feel like I can be ultra forgiving of a story until we get to basically the end, because I have confidence that a professional writer or hell in this case, a team of professional writers will be smarter than me and c- 
and be able to think of something I cannot think of. So maybe in the end, something will happen to tie it all together and make it make sense and kind of elevate the quality of the narrative as a whole. So I can look back and say like, oh, you know, that thing that didn't work for me at the time in the moment, looking back on it, it's actually, it's pretty good. It's it's not the best, but I, I see what they did there and it's okay. This is... Like, this has been the exact opposite experience for me, where, like, the more time passes and the more I think about it, the less it makes any sense. Because, like, I think I first brought this up comparing it to the the current Jeffrey Thorne run of Green Lantern, where it's like, hey, it's two, it's every chapter is two is split in half between two different locations and time periods and what's going on. Isn't that kind of a weird equivalence, except it's actually not really that equivalent because at least in the Green Lantern example, you split it because you're following the adventures of two separate casts of characters at the same time in different locations. This is all about Boba Fett in the past and present and the existence of the flashback isn't serving the narrative at all. Like the what we're seeing in the flashback portion of an episode doesn't really inform what's happening in the present day portion of the episode. By the end of it, by the time we were done with the flashbacks, I still cannot think of a single reason why this couldn't have just been told chronologically. Like the first scene of this show is him crawling out of the Sarlacc stomach and then we just kind of go from there and then start flashing back and forth. Why couldn't we have taken like two episodes i think there was about two episodes worth of past stuff just do all of it together and just flow into the present day stuff because we're we're watching it all like as it's happening and if you want to put in flashbacks like you could actually later like later on by the when they introduce cad bane who is a character i was legitimately happy to see because i watched the clone wars and rebels and i like that guy this this show like there's like one or two throwaway lines of dialogue that imply this past that he has with Boba Fett, how like maybe he trained Boba Fett or they're rivals or something. Like I don't understand the relationship between those two characters. And I feel like I really need to. And I guess the show just assumes that I have read or watched all sorts of supplemental material first. But like if you're, if you're married to this idea of let's have let's jam some flashbacks into our Boba Fett story. Show me pe- like pieces of their history together. Show me what they mean to each other. Show me like what like where does this like like why does this conflict between them matter? And especially especially like I I still can't get over this. We saw a but like you have a professional bounty hunter slash assassin coming after Boba Fett, who has some sort of deep history with Boba Fett, and you also have him working with the secret real killers of Boba Fett's adoptive family, and yet somehow that revelation didn't matter to Boba Fett, really, and also they didn't hire Cad Bane to be the one to kill the family either, which would have made sense. Like, like, I I don't, I don't know. It feels like there's all sorts of like obvious moves on the table and not 
not like bad obvious, not lazy obvious, just like basic storytelling obvious. And I don't understand why they didn't do any of them. There's lots of things that from a not I'm not I'm not just talking about, you know, plot points that make you shake your head because there's Lord knows there's lots of those in, in this series. But just a basic one. I mean, we they try I guess they try to build a case of why his experience with the Tuscans changed his worldview on everything. But it still doesn't entirely jibe with the idea that, oh, that makes him want to be a crime boss now. But he, but, but kind of doing more in the Don Corleone method uh, of, of, of ruling with respect and having people do want to help you and be loyal to you out of respect and then out of fear. And then you get to like the last episode, which again, which it covers the plot point issue too. It's like, oh, instead of going back to, to the palace to try to, you know, to where you have a, literally have a, a, like an armed fortress to help your cause when you're completely outgunned. Oh, let's stay in town and fight because, oh, I'm not going to abandon these people, for, my, my people. How are they your people all of a sudden? And it's not like the Pikes were trying to kill those people. They didn't give a shit about the people. They were trying to get you. <laughs> so if you left, you know, they would have gone after you. It's in a way they were setting this up, which would have been much better. They seemingly, and I thought this is where they were going with this, that they were trying to set up this because it would also would tie into the history of Star Wars in many levels, that they were trying to do this version of the Magnificent Seven of Seven Samurai that you thought he was going to be putting together like this all star group of Star Wars characters to because especially when, you know, Fennec talks of when Fennec talks and brings up for discussion about having the money to go to hire people and who and they pretty much. The only person and they end up throwing money at is Mando, who doesn't even take the money. But you would think that you thought that was going to be like one of many, that there's so many other characters, not just other bounty hunters that Boba Fett obviously has ties to, but other characters and, and or bounty hunters slash mercenaries throughout the Star Wars universe included some of the expanded universe stuff and characters that have were in canon. Now they've been brought back in Disney canon. There's lots of characters that could have brought in and introduced in a live action version for the first time. And we didn't we didn't even get that regarding Cad Bane. If I remember correctly, based on what I think I know about the background, I think Django trained Cad Bane. And I think there was some kind of reciprocation where Cad Bane and Boba Fett had kind of a mentor uh, student relationship when when he was younger. So I think it's kind of like that full circle that, you know, Django trade trained cad and cad helped train boba and then there's the you know the the rivalry there but i don't know i it's i mean it just didn't really seem to pay off a, a lot of this it's in and it didn't help that boba fett just came across looking stupid a lot he made horrible decisions almost all the good decisions that happened in this show were made by people he was with you know fennec was a, a lot brighter than he was she had a lot and I understand it's easier for her because she hasn't really turned over a new leaf and he's trying to. So he may be more conflicted. But still, I mean, the, the decision making across the board in the last episode when, you know, when he runs to go get, you know, we all we all knew he was going to get the Rancor because they had foreshadowed him writing the Rancor into battle for a while now since the Rancor pretty much was introduced. But on many levels, it would have made more sense to go get Slave One and have the air superiority to to, to take out those giant destroyer droids. There's just, you know, there's just a, I don't know, there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff. And, and I think regarding what you said about Cad Bane and that, yes, it would have been real easy to have, to find out that the Tuscans, excuse me, the Pikes had hired Cad Bane to take out the Tuscans. 
and to frame you know the gang or whatever but to but it was cad bane but they probably just didn't want to go that route because they know cad bane is relatively popular and he's kind of like this he's a little ambiguous as far as whether he's completely evil or you know good evil in between like kind of like boba fett was arguably too that you're if you're a mercenary you, you can make a case you're somewhere in between a, in a mercenary slash bounty hunter that you have questionable morals but you may not but you are not far you know so far beyond being redeemed and i think they like cad bane i'm sure well this isn't the last we're, we're going to see of cad bane and in live action who knows we may see cad bane in live action in the obi-wan show but the reality is that might be why they made that decision not to make him directly responsible where i think a lot of people probably figured that's what's going to be the reveal in episode seven. Oh yeah i mean like and i think we're definitely like even though cad bane seemingly dies in this i think that uh you know he lived from the clone wars up through to after the original trilogy. So there's, there's plenty of years of untold stories where they can like, just kind of put him slot him in there. So I'm not, I'm not worried about, about not having enough Cad Bane content in the future, but I don't know. I just, I wish there, there was, there is so much ill-defined about this story. And like, like just the fact that like the present day parts of this are kind of like bookended by a, a pair of comments that I don't think are like they, they kind of come to nothing and aren't true. Like when he recruits Fennec Shan to join him is basically about comes down to him talking about how, like, you know, people in our line of work are always getting killed because idiots are calling the shots for us. Well, now we're going to be our own boss. And then at the end, Cad Bane's like, oh, well, you tried to go straight and it didn't work out. At least you gave it a shot. And I'm like, is that what he did? I don't know what he did. He he like he showed up, he moved into Jabba's house and then he just sort of walked. He, he, he made the rounds through town a few a bunch of times. And I, I don't know. Then then people just started shooting at him after a while. Like, what was he actually supposed to be doing? Like, OK, I understand like he is supposed to be the replacement for Jabba. And I have a very incredibly vague notion that that means he is some kind of crime boss. They keep calling him a daimyo. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> but like, like all I know is like, oh, supposedly like the heads of organizations are supposed to pay him tribute for protection money maybe i don't know i don't understand i don't like if you're going to have like a, a plot about him trying to build a new and better life for him and fennec and people like them then you're then you have to to show us like what is the mechanics of how that works what is the business he is running what is the thing he is offering like i i assume well actually no because later I was going to say, I assume it's not the drug trade because that's what he's trying to get out of there. But Fennec says like the drug, like moving spice makes up a good chunk of the business. So does that mean that what, since he took over, he has been helping to facilitate the, the drug trade on that planet or not? Or has he been trying to replace it with something else? What are these jobs that he promises the mods that he is going to create when like their big complaint is like, man, water's too expensive and there's no work to be had. Like, like, like I, like I, I said it jokingly once. I don't remember it was on mic before, but like 
Boba Fett, when he first like becomes a new daimyo, he and Fennec just sort of like they walk from Jabba's palace into town. They walk through Main Street. They check in on that cantina. Then they walk to the mayor's office, talk to the mayor. Then they walk home. And then he, he realizes there's something he forgot to do. They walk into town again and they just do the loop a couple times. Like what? What the hell was Boba Fett supposed to like supposedly doing? Getting in those miles on his Fitbit, I guess. I guess. Uh, yeah, this just—I mean, if if they had spent more, if they had spent more time dealing with the present stuff and not the flashbacks, and I think you could have actually had all the stuff fleshed out reasonably well, and then you would at least understand what the what their game plan was. Like you mentioned, it's like oh. The idea of turning over a new leaf stemming from the idea that, you know, we're kind of always working for idiots and getting put in bad situations. So then so then Boba Fett graduates to being head idiot and taking over the role of being an idiot, making horrible, making making horrible, horrible decisions. And you really feel bad for the two Gamorrean guards who really got shafted. (laughs) Oh, my God. They got like the 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 only the only two members of his posse that get wiped out in the final episode. Spoiler alert are the two Gamorreans who were ridiculously loyal, considering they were not getting a whole lot of whole lot in return out of this deal. (laughs) I don't know if anyone else on the main cast even knows they died. Cause like it's it net like we see them pick up a pick up a com to call to like to call for help or whatever. Nobody ever answers. Nobody ever seems to acknowledge like, hey, where did the Gamorian pig guards go? And at the end, when like everybody's like like the battle's all over, everybody's like standing around chuckling about fruit. Nobody's sad. And, like nobody even notices that these these guys are gone. Yeah, talk about cannon fodder. God, wait. I mean, if you want cannon fodder. There's like what, like six or seven of these mod kids, and the show cares about two of them. So you, why, why aren't we picking off a few? Actually, did one die? We know one got shot at least. I'm trying to remember if, if one actually died. Oh man, went, I hope so. That would be great. <laughs> when, when they all got, when they all, when they all got, when they got ambushed or whatever. Um, it cares yeah. about the show. Cares about the girl. And the guy with the thing on his eye. Yeah, the, the, with the useless spin move that didn't need to happen. Uh, God, I I can't like that look. That did look dumb. I am amazed that the internet has latched onto it the way it has. Yeah, it is. It is. It is funny, but this is one of those appropriate things. It's like, yeah, that was a. Um, sometimes it can be bad enough when when Jedi do a lot of spinning, and but at least you at, at least with the force and the speed and everything, you can kind of get and you can suspend your disbelief a little bit more and, and based on the way they shot that scene even it just it looked like yeah that's a good way to get shot in the back and waste time in the process but and as people pointed out it's like okay you you literally you're outgunned so so tremendously in this whole conflict i mean you have no army even even that whole free town stuff is ridiculous there's still only a handful of people and you think the pikes alone besides their own troops that they could bring in so many mercenaries if it was a, a literal war that there was no there'd be no way you could win but you only have like five or six people really that, that you can trust so let's have them all stand out in the open every single one of them you're outgunned you should be high you should be on rooftops. you should be lurking behind this you should not be in out in the open when you literally only have six people and you're and they're kind you know people are coming to get you <laughs> Well, it's funny that you say that because like there was there were like two or three times where everybody was clustered together on the street and they were they were in a no win scenario 
And then they got one single person to a slightly elevated position and immediately won the fight. <laughs> like when the mods were first getting like cornered by all the uh, the townspeople, they were pulling guns out of barrels and stuff. And hey, here's Fennec. She's like on top of a roof and she saved you. And then like later when all like the the Freetown cavalry is hiding in that uh behind that wall. Oh, we got one person with a rifle on the roof and it fixed the situation. And then and like the cool one of the coolest moments in the entire show when you know, oh, the 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 bombed out cantina cantina is surrounded. Let's have Boba Fett and Mando come in from either side of the street on their jetpacks firing at the crowd of enemies. Uh, it was awesome. Or even at the end when uh when Cad Bane's fire freaks out, I was the Rancor, which I assume the Ran- I'm I'm assuming Rancors are just naturally prone to being afraid of fire. But either way, but the but once the Rancor starts going crazy, everybody it's like, oh, we got to kill the Rancor. Why don't you just get out of the town? <laughs> I mean, or let or let wait till Boba comes and deals with the Rancor. Like I don't think he's going to be too thrilled that you're trying to kill his Rancor. It's like it's not really the Rancor's fault that he's that he's freaking out. But even even in this episode, at the end of the day, I mean, all the cool the real cool stuff, all the Visually, yes, Boba Fett riding the Rancor was cool, but realistically speaking, uh, almost all the relevant stuff still had to do with, it was all Mandalorian stuff. Yeah, the Mandalorian, all the Mandalorian stuff ended up being the emotional core of the whole thing because I'm already invested in those characters. I'm not invested in any of the Boba Fett characters, and it's a waste because I've I've said this before. I I've never been a Boba Fett guy. I've never understood why people like Boba Fett. He's the Captain Phasma of the original trilogy. Looks cool. Barely does anything at all. Yeah, I mean, he did more than Captain Phasma did, but he really did. He, his, his best move was figuring out that Han Solo was going to be waiting to float away in garbage. But the reality is he never did anything to deserve the, rep, the reputation that, that he got out of the original, the original trilogy. But Mandalorian Season 2 actually made Boba Fett cool. And it made me interested, at least when they when you when they had that you know post credit scene making it clear that he was going to be getting his own show. It's like, okay, I'm not going to say I'm pumped for it, but I'll definitely be there to watch it because now now I'm intrigued about what they're going to do with this. And I like Tamora Morrison. I I, I like Jango Fett. I still think it's cool that you know you go back and look at the whole history of Star Wars and realizing that yeah you know basically Boba Fett's genetic template was the entire clone army used by the Republic and it all goes back to Jango Fett is this one badass who basically was the, who supplied his, his the gen, the genetic material to make the entire army of the Republic which was damn good that I th- all I think all of that was interesting so you have a lot of goodwill Fennec is cool they had a good they had a good and important role in Mandalorian season two. So all this goodwill, all this interest, and then almost right off the bat, it's kind of like gets flushed down the toilet because it's just a relatively slow moving Boba Fett who was a badass in season two of The Mandalorian was hardly a badass here. I mean, the most badass thing he pretty much I mean, yeah, he did technically disintegrate somebody in in one in episode one or two when they're fighting on on the street and he gets ambushed. But the reality is, other than his showdown with. Cad Bane, in which he still is getting his ass kicked horribly for 99% of the fight, 
he really doesn't do much. It's more like it's more like it was the book of Fennec Shand, and that was would have been a hell of a lot more interesting than what we're. I, wi- I wish it was the book of Fennec Shand. I mean, my God, she gets the revenge kill against the the Pike Syndicate boss that had his family killed. Like, come on! But that's I mean, the most the most badass thing Boba Fett did in the entire series was sit on top of the Rancor and just say, do it. And then the Rancor gives a Mortal Kombat fatality to this giant battle droid. I know, and the Rancor takes a lot of damage, too. It was, he, took, he took a lot of damage. It's like, well, you should have you should have factored that in. Uh, but you're, you're correct. And like you mentioned, the emotional weight all comes from the Mandalorian characters. Of course it does. I mean, Mandal- I mean Episode 5 was so heavily invested in... in, in but Din Djarin's, his story and the fact that he obviously misses Grogu so much. And then you get episode six, which is awesome, where you get to see an uh, uh, even better CGI version of Luke and Grogu. Mm. And, you, and uh, yeah, Ahsoka was shoehorned in. I didn't mind it, but because, you know, that's, again, building the Filoni Favreau verse. You know, that's going to pay dividends down the road, probably because we will see Luke and Ahsoka probably doing stuff together. And an adventure, maybe this is they're tying all this in to do stuff with 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 her show with Thrawn, with Grand Admiral Thrawn. But the reality is that that episode had a lot of weight. It was kind of douchey, but typical of Luke to kind of make Grogu choose one or the other. I that drove me crazy. I'm like, you, 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 Luke Skywalker, Luke. I'm everybody's best friend, emotionally attached to everything Skywalker. Like the like there is a trilogy of three movies where Luke spends where like everything Luke does in them is based on the fact that he is emotionally invested in everyone he has ever met. And now he's going to sit there and tell this baby like, hey, look, you shouldn't be emotionally attached to people. I'm like. Come on, man. What is this? Yeah, it was, it's at the very least, it's hypocritical because it's Luke's. Well, it's a little more understandable for Luke being attached to his father from the perspective that he always he thought of his father in a different light, even before he knew he was, a you know, before the version of the truth that Obi-Wan was kind of forced to tell him by Yoda. But even he just had this almost like this this X factor, this idol worship, or this is this gap that was filled by missing. He had this void from not, from not having his father in his life. So he would, or his, you know, in his mind's eye, what his father was. This, so I can understand why once he realized Vader would his fa- was his father, besides of course, obviously being force sensitive to know that supposedly that Vader had this, this good stuff that still was buried deep down. That made more sense to me, him being attached to Luke to, to Vader than Vader being attached to Luke when Vader was an idiot and didn't even know there was a Luke until pretty much until the Emperor told him. Uh, I think, yes, that's been retconned a thousand times in different versions of comic books and things that he found out. But either way, the, that Luke, of all people, it was his attachment to Darth Vader and his unwillingness to just write him off and just say, yeah, I'll kill him if I have to that that basically is what led to the downfall of the empire and, and the ultimate you know return of the republic by his having faith in his father to do the right thing at the end and then basically fulfill that prophecy so for him to do that to grow and i actually really i was kind of part of me was surprised we got that got that revelation in so early on in episode seven i thought they might have dragged that out 
just like I thought there was a chance Grogu would have would have first have chosen the lightsaber, and then we that would be something that would play out in Mandalorian season three, that maybe the paths would cross between Luke and Grogu, Luke and Grogu, and or Mandalorian again, and and that would be where eventually Grogu and Luke Luke would maybe realize that he really belongs. He really, really belongs with the Mandalorian. The thought that was the part that was also cool in this, of course, and I'm sure that's going to pay off soon, is when we when Luke starts. Obviously, he starts helping Grogu get his memories back, which also factors into probably why Grogu is getting better at using the Force and can do more without fading out and taking a nap every three seconds. Though not quite yeah. obviously out of that phase yet, <laughs> but at least we, which was which is kind of was heartbreaking seeing you know the. Uh, the order 66 from little little really tiny baby grogu's perspective and then still opening the door for finding for us finding out who actually saves him which of yeah. course is one of those great mysteries that we that remains to be seen i mean we can we can eliminate a lot of people who could have saved him because they weren't on coruscant during the order but it does raise that question because you assume it's got to be somebody relevant even if it's not going to be hey mace windu didn't die it's got to be somebody of relevance, you would think, since they're building that up so heavily and since they tied Grogu into Order 66, that it's got to be somebody who was on Coruscant at the time that we've never we didn't actually see die anywhere else. I mean, it's a it's a surefire way to get another uh, Clone Wars era character into live action, which True. I'm I'm fine with. I like I liked Clone Wars. I'm, I just it's been enough years since I watched it that I would really hope that the new show explains the context to me, because, again, that's a lot of TV. Not everybody's going to know. Like, I and I, I, I agree, like the Luke making Grogu choose like I don't agree with I, I, I do not agree with it as a character point for Luke, but I recognize it is a utilitarian thing that they needed to do because it solves two problems for them really easily. The first being it separates Grogu from Luke. So we don't have to wonder, did Grogu die when all of Luke's students got massacred? <laughs> and second, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda doing the Lone Wolf and, Cl- and Cub thing was a universally beloved, like, license to print money, and they would be stupid to not try and get back to that as quickly as possible. So, like, right like that, right there, you got a, you got your reset, you got your uh, avoiding the uncomfortable possible baby murder of this adorable little Yoda, and we're good to go for Mando Season 3. <laughs> Yes, at some point they were gonna. At some point they were gonna have to obviously send Grogu on his way because of the fact that, especially since this show, but originally the first season of Mandalorian was what five years after Return of the Jedi. That soon you were gonna be getting into the time frame, no matter at the, where. Yes, Ben was gonna end up with Luke. But and, what if Ben turned him? What if Grogu was a Knight of Ren, a little bitty <laughs> Knight of Ren? Oh, I want it. Now, te- oh, now, now, technically, they did do a comic book series on the rise of Kylo Ren, which makes it clear that even after he, even after he turns to the dark side and wipes out a lot of the students at the temple, not 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 every not every student of Luke was at the temple at the time, but but so they went. I think they went after Kylo Ren when he was still at that point. He was a member of the Knights of Ren, but he wasn't the but he wasn't the leader. And eventually, all the the the, the final students did get did get wiped out but even according to that comic book which is canon until they obviously until they put something on the screen and think that contradicts it that 
not every single one of Luke's students was at the temple when they got when when Kylo went off. But yeah, we know there wasn't anybody who looked like Yoda. So they did they were gonna have plus it opens the door because of, because of how old you know that species lives to. I mean, hey, if they do do that sequel trilogy that sequel sequel trilogy with Ray, we don't know that Grogu isn't alive somewhere. Yeah. We, true. He's just not a Jedi. he's just he just never became a a true Jedi. Uh he never got but then again, technically Ahsoka's not really a Jedi either because she was still only an apprentice when she left the order. So now you have said numerous times that you like episode six of this show. Yes. We differ. <laughs> oh, you didn't like episode six? Go ahead, go for it. I like I uh, and I understand why you would like it. Like the uh, the idea of like here is here is a young Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker doing like basically acting out of a period of star Wars that has only ever been able to be imagined before. Like I'm sure, again, I'm sure there were books and comic books that did this before. I don't, I don't know. I never read them, but like the idea of taking like one of the most classic and iconic star Wars characters that is a real person and, and being able to continue their story past that original that fr- original trilogy and just like see something happen that you never thought you would be able to see happen it's like if you are a huge star wars person and you grew up loving star wars this is probably like a fantastic experience i don't have that really like i was i was a kid in the early 80s i grew up watching you know i think my dad taped the original trilogy on vhs when it was on tv like so i saw i saw like a tv cut with commercials of all three of those movies like a hundred times each when i was a kid but i never really latched on to the characters like i lightsabers were cool and darth vader was scary (laughs) that was kind of like that's the most i ever took from star wars so like for me like there's no real like awe and wonder of like we get more luke skywalker in his prime and it's it's kind of it's this weird experience because like the thing that i've been enjoying so much about shows like like the mandalorian is its departure from the classics it's the fact that we're we're gonna make up a new character put him in the star wars universe and send him to different places we haven't necessarily seen before a few places we have but we're just gonna follow this guy on his random adventures and that's kind of that's the same kind of thing that drew me to to shows like the Clone Wars and to Rebels. Like, yeah, there are original trilogy characters in there, but the characters that I associate the most strongly with those series are, you know, your Cad Bane's and your Ahsoka's because they are the the wholly original characters that were inserted into Star Wars to go off in their own directions and to see this like like it's not the first time we've seen this like the cg rendition of of uh classic characters they did tarkin first in uh in a rogue one it was a rogue one or solo i forget but it was, it was one of those movies rogue one yeah and like there I, it was kind of kind of weird but i didn't really give it much thought because it's like whatever it was it was on screen for like five minutes who cares with this like we all of a sudden get this like 15 minute scene of like this this deep fake Luke Skywalker interacting with other characters. And like, it it just hit me like, Oh, this is, 
they're going to keep doing this. The work we're going to be seeing this Luke Skywalker a lot. And it's probably, it, there's no chance it's going to stop with him. Like we're going to have that, like every original series character they want to keep using, they're going to keep using like this. And it's like, it feels like a weird thing to complain about with star Wars of all things, but it's like, it's, it's like, they're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to, forge ahead in new different directions with a new cast of characters while also holding on to the old ones for dear life and never letting go. And it's just, it's really, really strange and off-putting to me. I can understand that because you have a different age-wise, you have a different relationship with star Wars than let's say I would and uh, people closer to me in age, uh, and I think that does fact, and that does fact, and I think that does factor in. And maybe people who again grew up with the with the prequels would have a different, might have a different view, because it's it's hard to know for sure. It's Star Wars is so multi generational, especially because even if you, if you grew up in the in the, say the nineties, then you were probably you were raised by people who had seen Star Wars, and and the odds are Star Wars was important to them, so you would have seen those movies before you even got to the prequels that you would have already seen the original movies and things like that. I get where I get where you're coming from. The thing that, the thing that is good about it, it can be misused. There's no doubt. It gives you the opportunity to erase some of the sins that like the Cardinal sins that the sequel trilogy gave us. Like the, like when the, as bad as a lot of it from a, certainly from a moving the story forward perspective, because it didn't, that the last Jedi, as many of the issues the last Jedi had, that the biggest, arguably the biggest cardinal sin in the entire sequel trilogy was a, was an Abrams movie, whether it was his call or whether that was again a Kennedy thing. But the the decision not to give us one scene, even if it was a friggin' flashback, of Han, Luke, and Leia together, that was what has to rank up there as one of the stupidest decisions ever made in one of these things. It's like, what do people want to see if you're doing a Star Wars sequel trilogy when you're bringing back the original actors? You want to see all of them together at least once. And yeah, may, you know, you can't even say, you know, maybe if Abrams had his way, you would have you would have you would have gotten that in a flashback if he had done all three movies. But either way, that was such a horrible decision. It's like it's like, oh, yeah, let's we'll take Luke off the table completely. And yeah, we'll have it, it was it was like when. The whole when after Han dies and you have when they get back to the base and they have stupid Ray and Leia hugging, which means absolutely nothing. It should have been Chewie and and Leia. And of course, Abram and Chewie was even in the background. And that's why eventually Abram said, well, I at least should have shot that scene differently because it stands out like a sore thumb that Chewie and Leia should have been the one bonding over that. The stuff like this on the TV shows can erase some of those sins because you still have the opportunity potentially to have a Han and Luke scene where it's still at least, even if it's not, you know, depending and no matter how deep fake they do it, whether it's, you know, they just do a pure de-aging or, you know, they, it, they do, it's just pure CGI for the face of Mark Hamill and he does the voice, but it's a different act. Either way, you still have a shot to get a Han and Luke scene together. You still have a shot probably to have a scene of all three of them together in some, in some story. Yeah. That's, that's where it's going to get really, really weird because like like i i think there's a big difference between like okay you know there's no way mark hamill could actually play this 
role and we don't want to recast him. So let's let's make like a CG real like as realistic as humanly possible CG uh, character of him. Sooner or later, probably sooner, we are going to get a a Princess Leia in this in this uh, style. And that's when it's going to start feeling extra weird because it's like, oh, man, we're just we're just uh, bringing back. We're just bringing back beloved dead actors now, aren't we? I mean, we already did. We started with Tarkin. But uh, I don't know. I guess I keep forgetting him because I, again, don't have that attachment. And I thought, honestly, Tarkin, I thought worked fine in Rogue One. I mean, I think he looked okay. I thought he looked better than the Princess Leia cameo at the end of that movie. And I think I think everything they did with with Tarkin in that movie, it, it and based on the time frame, it fits. Since you know, since obviously this is right, literally right before the beginning of of Star Wars of Episode Four. I made. wonder. I wonder if it was because they tried it both ways. Because in in Rogue One, they they CG'd Tarkin, but in Solo they recast Han. So did they just like? Did they use each of those as a test case to see like which worked better, which should audiences like better, and so pe- more pe- less people liked Solo than liked Rogue One, so they took that. Like, I no, know. I think I, I think at the end of the day, it's just like well, they they knew if they had if Solo had worked and there was and Solo as a movie was okay, considering yeah, it was good. And when you consider everything Ron Howard had to do to you know to clean up the mess that he inherited, that movie got. It was a perfect storm of crap that it took because people were upset over over the last Jedi, and and nobody had really wanted a, sol- a Han Solo movie without Harrison Ford. So it was just like a perfect combination of this is the movie where people were going to say, "Hey, it's almost like they were going to make a statement and say we're not going to run, we're not going to go support this movie for for all these reasons." As a movie, it was fine. It, it, I enjoy I enjoyed it. I would have been more than happy to see a sequel. I certainly it kind of really sucked that they set up the Darth Maul thing with Kira, and we may never. We still may see that on screen, even if it's on the T on uh, somehow in a TV show or something. I mean, because obviously Kira based on comic books is still alive during this t- during the time frame of um, even now, even in the post Return of the Jedi world. That's why a lot of people thought Kira now that she's running Crimson Dawn, that she was going to be one of the cameos. Amelia Clark was going to be one of the cameos on the show that never, never happened. But I think they just knew there was no way they even there was no way they were going to get Harrison Ford, even 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 if they get the CGI technology back then was as good as it is now. They just knew that he was never going to be willing to keep coming to come back and do to do Han Solo again for any kind of for full movies. So I, I think, think it's amazing that they got him back to to do a uh, Force Awakens. <laughs> well, I think Force Awakens with Force Awakens, even though we'll have to see how this turns out. But Force Awakens, I'm pretty sure the trade-off was he wanted to do another Indiana Jones movie, and that was the trade-off. He, I think that was the deal. So they, they said, hey, you come do this for us, and we'll, do, and we'll, we'll give you one last Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I, that, I think it's a bigger surprise, in a, in a positive way, that they got him to come back for the Rise of Skywalker. That was a bigger coup, having him come back to do that, that pseudo vision. Not yeah. flashback, but that memory, that mem- that haunt, that memory of of Kylo Ren's that. Uh, so I think that was a bigger that was a bigger coup. I mean, so yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, like if if they want to sell me on the the weird CG people technology, make fi- fix fix that movie, make a different version of that movie. <laughs> of which one, Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. 
Well, they're still, I mean, they're still, I mean, I don't think they'll, they will never do it certainly as long as, long as Kathleen Kennedy is running Lucasfilm. But there are, there were plenty of rumors that about them tr- trying to like almost wipe that out of continuity, which in Star Wars, there is a way to do that, which is how, obviously if you watch the Clone Wars and Rebels and Ahsoka still being alive, that there's ways to play around with time that they could do things. Oh God, that yeah. They could do things to, to, if they wanted to, to erase those, to change that. But we there's, know that would, there's, that, yeah, that's never going to happen while Kathleen Kennedy's in charge. But but hopefully this is her last tour of duty. And I mean, we're talking about rebels. There's literal ways to play with time, <laughs> right? So, but but we'll, I don't we'll, know. I mean, I think the I think that the sequel trilogy, which I really do, really enjoy the first two thirds of. It's this. It has the exact same problem as Book of Boba Fett probably does that they kind they started out with a strong con- enough concept but didn't appear to have much of a plan along the way and just kind of did whatever and it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think again, the and you get conflicting stories. I do think that pro- because it, as a writer it would be impossible not to have an idea where things were going to go even if you didn't think even if you weren't planning on continuing it. So I do believe that Abrams probably had uh, at the very least, he had treatments or he, or he had major plot points of where he, where the breadcrumbs he laid were going to go. It's just that Ryan Johnson didn't care about it. And Kathleen Kennedy didn't care that Ryan Johnson didn't, didn't care or approved that he didn't care. Because all the dangling mysteries and plot points and all these paths through the wilderness that J.J. Abrams set up, Ryan Johnson just closed. And, that, and, that, and while I do think Rise of Skywalker could have been better, and again, depending on what you hear... Not all of the reasons why it was bad was all Abrams. Then, they, because Kathleen Kennedy supposedly has final cut over every Star Wars movie, so she had, even if, if it came down to a battle between Abrams and Kennedy, based on Kennedy can would overrule him. But Abrams was pushed up against the wall anyway because a he wasn't supposed to be doing that third movie. He was supposed to be uh, Colin Trevorrow, and it's the fact that. Basically had to do episode eight and episode nine in one movie because episode eight did nothing to move the plot forward. Literally, it took place like a day or less than a day after the last movie, which is ridiculous. It's a reason why there's always a time jump in Star Wars movies, because you have to have characters in different places and establish new new, uh, situations and show growth. And there were so many reasons why that was a poor decision, but it it boxed them into what they were going to do in in episode nine. I don't know. I as we're getting close to an hour, Dan, I should point this out, <laughs> and, and you and you mocked me that the reality is Star Wars is a mixed bag. It really is. It, it, there's there's good and bad. I mean, there's been a lot of good stuff on Disney Plus since since that you know the finishing up the Clone Wars again. It finished up really strong. I do agree. I didn't I didn't care about the bad bad stuff to start with, and the middle arc was you were you were correct that it was to show what you know the how tough life was for people and especially. When if you're not on the upper echelon of the food chain, but it also was to bring Ahsoka back and give her some background before you're know, building to the big crescendo. But in Bad Batch, I also agree if that series is a lot for, for show for characters I had no real interest in. That show I I really enjoyed season one of the Bad Batch. But for the most part, your TV shows have worked. That's what makes the Book of Boba Fett, and maybe it's appropriate to swing back around to this as we get close to the end that. The Book of Boba Fett's the one right now from a TV show perspective that stands out. Even the, what was the animated show? The one with the, all the vision, was it Visions? 
Oh yeah, the uh, the anime anthology. Yeah, the yeah, Vision, Star Wars the Visionaries, Visions. whatever it was. Even, I think it was just Visions. Yeah, even that I liked. I mean, I didn't love every single episode, but I thought for what it was, that was fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, considering again, I'm not an I'm not an anime person, but I thought I thought that worked. So to me, right now, Book of Boba Fett is the one that, at the very least, if if it was like a if a, if you were like scoring a fight, I probably would have scored this like a three three one. It would be a draw. There probably were three episodes I liked, three episodes I didn't, and probably one episode I was like, okay, it's right, it's Ugh. dead right in the middle. I so. can't even really divide it. Like, like I will tell you flat out, episode five, the ma- the episode that was just the Mandalorian, I loved it. That was a great episode. Every other episode of the show was like mediocre with the occasional great moment. You know, like, and it's, it's, it's a shame. Cause like, like, again, like I'm with you, like I never understood why everybody loved Boba Fett so much. And I was kind of excited to see this show because I'm like, okay, well, if they're going to do a Boba Fett show and they can make it as good as they made the Mandalorian, then maybe I'll, I'll finally get what the big deal is. I'll see, I will see why people like Boba Fett and maybe I'll like Boba Fett. And then they just kind of, they didn't do it. <laughs> the, sh- the show didn't really seem to have all that much to say or want to do with Boba Fett. Like, it I don't know. It didn't seem to have, ultimately, it didn't, other than having connective tissue for the Favreau-Filoni-verse and set in opening doors that they're going to walk through later on. It didn't seem to have a real purpose for being. And I think that's what, I think that's what bothers a lot of people. I think well, when you, yeah. I agree, but like I would love, I won't, I don't know if we'll ever know this, but I would love to find out what happened behind the scenes with this show because with like we've seen the uh, I look at ep- uh, season two of The Mandalorian was filled with episodes that had that were like basically teasers for future Disney Plus ventures you know right. it's like oh here's this clone wars character where they're gonna go off and have their thing oh here's ahsoka we're setting up the ahsoka show and there was like a couple more i don't remember but even in those cases they still wove them into the natural story arc of the mandalorian season two and made those episodes like like legitimately like enjoyable and compelling the, and and they were happening kind of weaving in and out throughout the season book of boba fett they didn't do any of it at all and then abruptly as soon as we get four episodes in they just start doing it intensely straight on till to the end and like that kind of thing like makes it feel like they didn't like it it, it makes it feel like they had a different plan but had to change something after they already started airing episodes. And like, I don't know if that there was just a problem with tomorrow Morrison. I don't know if there was some sort of like, like, Oh, this isn't going to be ready in time. So we have to shuffle things or like, I don't know what happened, but it like this to me, like I get such a strong feeling of a troubled production from this show. And there may very, and that may very well be true. I mean, again, there were there were rumors, and I don't know if there's any truth in it, but there were rumors that they were doing ed- heavy editing on the final episode of the show, almost you know down to the wire, just like that's where that's where a lot of the rumors. I mean, because the Han Solo cameo had been rumored for a long time, so it could have been it could just be garbage, but considering that 
that had been, I think that had been as attached to this show as the uh, Quicksilver, though it turned out to be fake Quicksilver and and the WandaVision had been, you know, as long as that, as uh, Evan Peters had been attached to that show, that's as long as the the Han Solo cameo had been in, in the final episode had been attached to this show. And depending on what you hear, that was one of the last things they decided to cut out. Now, I don't know if it was Han showing up with Ben for, to meet Luke. That probably would have been the made the most sense, even though it has nothing to do with the book of Boba Fett. But then again, that obviously wasn't a criteria for the show, but it would be from a timing perspective, it would work now that Grogu was gone. And since Ben is supposed to technically, I think, in canon, really be Luke's first real, real student that. But either way, it's like there's, I, there may very well have been or a lack of a plan about this and or the plan changed once man, there, whatever issues were going on with Mandalorian were resolved and they knew Mandalorian season three was going to progress fine. That they just didn't. This seems to be filler. And. That's how it feels. It feels like filler and opening up plot points that they're going to pick up in other shows and and just to have an excuse that, hey, if we, you know, it's like if you if you need help or next time we go to Tatooine, which obviously Mandalorian has tons of ties to Tatooine, it's like, oh, now we can have, we can bring Boba Fett back in and, and Fennec or if Mandalorian needs something, you know, and then now Boba Fett once again might feel indebted to him and go back and forth. And I kind of I hope they they shelve boba fett for a little while like this this show is going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths i think we need we need to take the break of boba fett for a little bit before we use him again like put some distance let some wounds heal we all have to we have to push our fandoms into our own back to tanks and recover (laughs) from this show and i hope it doesn't take too long because like the, the instant the finale of this show aired the they p- released the poster for um the obi-wan kenobi show and it's him at a distance walking in the desert and uh, everybody i see is like they're like zooming in and they're talking about how excited they are and like oh look his his robes are different from this movie but they look like that movie and oh let's examine the lightsaber hilt he's carrying and me i'm just looking at this thing and i'm like I never want to see this desert ever again. <laughs> I know it, it is. It is. Unfor- it is unfortunate in a way by choosing by choosing to do this movie. I mean, this show on Tatooine that it, I mean, I don't think people are going to hold in general. People are not going to hold it against the Obi-Wan show because people are much more interested in the Obi-Wan show. And there's a logical reason why, even if he's not on Tatooine the entire time, while he's on Tatooine, we know he has to by virtue of mythology and he has to stay on Tatooine because his role is to protect Luke. Oh, I, I mean, know. But like, but we just had like the the best thing about the, the book of Boba Fett leaving book, leaving Boba Fett behind was that we started following characters that could get into a spaceship and go somewhere else. Like, like I guess again, he just kind of walks around the block over and over again, nonstop. Like, like going using Tatooine's location in the Mandalorian was fine because the Mandalorian spent like maybe two full episodes on that planet and just went to other, other places or went to space or whatever. And I'm just, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty boring location for to to set two entire TV series there. The the ultimate irony will be, even though again I 
I guess you would have to do this to this, kind of proving your point to make it a compelling story. They almost are going to, and based on what we hear, it makes sense that this happens, but there would be more than a little irony to the one show you would think in conceptually would have to stay married to Tatooine would be Obi-Wan because he couldn't leave is the one show that maybe that's not going to happen. And Obi-Wan is actually going to leave Tatooine for a short period of time. And the show that had no real ties logically, why you couldn't leave Tatooine was the show that the main character yeah. just didn't leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, like I am, I am putting all of my hopes on uh, Ewan McGregor. Cause I'm like, okay. Like he is, he is like the best thing about the, the prequel trilogy. He is like perfect for this role. Him coming back is the thing that has me the most interested in watching it. And I have to believe that he will not tolerate being fucked with. So I, 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 I'm hoping that he will save this show. <laughs> Cause like, and I, I know it's not one-to-one or anything, but like coming off of this, of the experience of watching the book of Boba Fett and then immediately being shown like, Hey, looking forward to our next star Wars TV show. I'm like, I'm not really now. No, let's, let's, uh, I'm going to go watch Hawkeye again instead or something. I don't know. I th- I think at the end of the day, this, yeah, the, the good news is assuming Obi-Wan show is good. And, and with Deborah Chow, I have, I have confidence into that. I think it will help erase a little bit of the bad taste from Boba Fett. Yeah. And it gives you something and it gives you something to look forward to. Just like Moon Knight gives you something to look forward to, even though Hawkeye was good, but it gives yeah. you something different to something to look, something to look forward to. Any uh, closing thoughts? This Not is really. I mean, I feel, I feel bad. Like I, I don't like being one of those fans that just goes on the internet and complains. And I feel like I've done nothing but that <laughs> with book of Boba Fett, but like, like there are like, again, there are parts of it that I legitimately love. Sometimes it's little touches. Like when Luke was walking with Grogu and Grogu couldn't keep up with Luke walking at a normal pace he would every few seconds just swing his hand forward and kind of force lift Grogu ahead of him so that they could take a walk together. And like that was, that was a really nice little touch there. I like that. I like a lot about the, the final fight at the end. I loved episode five with Mando and everybody, you know, like, like the whole, the whole series is peppered with little things that I think are really cool, but they just didn't add up into enough to save this show and i mean you're right like this is like the rare odd one out for star wars tv projects especially in the modern day but it's 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 kind of the same with the with movies right where like there are there are i at least in my opinion there are more good star wars movies than there are bad ones but when a star wars movie is bad it is really bad and it hits hard. And that's how it feels with a really bad star Wars TV show. You know, they're, they had like a pretty good run with their animated stuff. Clone, the final season of clone wars was a little mixed, but really good. I really enjoyed rebels. I, I, I enjoyed the uh, anime anthology way more than you did. And, (laughs) and we both, I think we both genuinely love Mandalorians, but so like this one show isn't going to be that big a deal in the long run. It's just kind of a shame that it felt so deflating when they had been on like a pretty good streak. 
I think that sums it up nicely. I, yeah, it's not, it's not like it's a death blow. It's not like it's a death knell or anything, or it causes a serious. You know what it is in a microcosm. It, it's essentially up to up to this point. It's what the Eternals was for Marvel. It's it's a it's a, it's a, it's a bump in the road. It's a it's 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 not a it's not one of the, your your greatest moments or success stories, and it didn't land the way you, you hoped it would. But then you follow it up with Spider-Man and nobody cares anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. so if you have, so if Obi-Wan knocks it out of the park, which, you know, which certainly everybody's hoping it does then. And in Mandalorian season three, when we get that later on, I assume at the end of the year for better or for worse, Boba Fett's going to become a, going to become a distant memory. And that's kind of, and that's, and that's probably, and again, it's not, it wasn't horrible. It just, it's just, it it also wasn't great. It was, it was disappointing. I think it was serviceable. But disappointing. Ultimately, that's that's would be my quick few word review if I or summary yeah. if I had to say. Yeah. And despite all of it, I still am looking forward to the Ahsoka show. Oh, that yeah. that is a character like that's the thing. The I guess take all of my Star Wars opinions with a grain of salt because my 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 take on these characters is basically like like oh all those old characters meh, but these new characters now we're talking. Like I'm the guy that like loved Force Awakens because for exactly the reasons people don't like it. They're like, oh, well, it's just it's just the first movie, but with different characters in it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. There's 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 a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be so optimistic about with 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 Star Wars and even and even this. It's not like this was. You know, it's it's like again the Eternals analogy. This this the Eternals wasn't a train wreck really. This isn't a train wreck either. It's just when you look at it compared to a lot the best the best of what we've gotten so far from each respective universe. It's in brand. It's like well, it's it's nothing to write home about. All right, Dan, push your stuff. All right. Well, if you if you're you're done with this and you'd rather hear me talk about things I like, go to. <laughs> go to Go to youtube.com slash C slash mosaic comics. I run a Green Lantern YouTube channel with full of like issue reviews and analytical video essays about stuff from all over Green Lantern's 80 plus year history. We're, we're up to like, is it 82 now? Almost 83? I forget. But um <laughs> But yeah, we're like in, I talk about individual characters, golden age stuff, weird silver age stuff, break down like core concepts that about the characters and how their powers work that we just assume have been like fleshed out, but really don't make a lick of sense at all. And it's just a really good time. It's just it's a way for me to kind of work through my feelings about what is I, I think it's fair to say is my favorite thing in all of fiction and share that with other people. So if that sounds interesting to you, go to YouTube, search mosaic comics and, you know, enjoy green lantern along with me. Nicely put. And if you're still here listening to the lantern cast after all these centuries, <laughs> it's like, it's like in the, in, in the, in our future lantern episode, it's like if, the Green Lantern Corps still exists, you know, in the 30th century or whatever. We know the Lantern cast won't, but there's like, but maybe, but maybe, but be somebody living in a cave with all these rings around. It's like, oh, it's like we're gonna keep posting a review once, once every few weeks, years. 
who are we kidding? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that rambling's over. Lanterncast.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast to track us down. Spotify and Stitcher, Apple Podcasts too. We're on all those platforms, so please leave us a positive review on all or any of the platforms you do listen to us on. And last but not least, if you'd like to text us or leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. Not saying what next week's going to be. Who knows? <laughs> uh, all, all we know is one way or the other. Dan will be back soon because obviously Green Lantern 11 came out technically today as we're as we were recording this. So if it's not next week, probably within the next week or so, Dan will be back to do our ne- next issue review. Yes. Cool. In the meantime, Mark's going to fill time by uh, reviewing Legion back issues. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. There'll be a lot of skip weeks before that happens. Uh, Probably. (laughs) All right. All right. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night.